Hey, what's up everyone? We are so glad that you could join us again today. We are in a new series called The Bible, and we have so much awesome stuff to share today on Exodus and Leviticus. So uh -huh. stick around. Thank you for joining us for Sundays, Sundays at 7. seven. <laughs> All right, we're back, and we're better than ever. So I always say. We are one episode deep in our new series called The Bible. Last week we talked about Genesis. As you all remember, the creation story. We talked about the covenant with Abraham. And we left off with... Joseph. Woo! Mm -hmm. The cut of many colors. Mm -hmm. And what's cool about the Bible when you read it, you know, straight through, is the story continues. It does continue. So all as we into go Exodus. into Exodus, we're going to continue the story. So, remember Jacob? I remember And his sons mm -hmm. and Joseph. Mm -hmm. He was the favorite. Yeah, And coat, his brothers didn't like it. Nope. And so they sold him off into slavery. And then all of a sudden, he... All of a sudden... That's my favorite phrase, I think. <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> um, he worked himself up to being second in command for Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. And so there was a famine back where Jacob and his brothers were. That's bad. They don't have no food. They're hungry. So they went to Egypt to Pharaoh to get some food. And what do you know? They find him. They find Joseph there. They didn't recognize him at first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they obviously feel bad and they have this reconnection, all that stuff. And then this verse is so good. Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That's what Joseph said to his brothers. And I feel like that was a perfect way to end Genesis, and then we're moving right along into Exodus, which um, Joseph brought his family to Egypt and protected them there. Um, they, Yeah, Pharaoh gave them land to live as a safe haven, mm -hmm. and uh-oh, then something bad happened. They all died. Yeah, that's usually what happens. Yep. Okay, so they ended up passing away. They were all buried there, and then 400 years later... Exodus 1-7 says that the Israelites were fruitful and they had multiplied and there were a bunch of them in Egypt. And there was a new Pharaoh in charge and he rose up and he saw all the Israelites as a threat. And he was like, man, we have to get rid of these people. And so he enslaves them and then he does something really bad. He orders for all the boys to be drowned. But there was one woman who was like, I don't want my son to die. And so she wove a little basket she took him down to the river and she placed him in this basket and sent him down the river. Well, guess where the river ended up? Pharaoh's house. <laughs> Pharaoh's house. And guess who raised the baby? Pharaoh's daughter. Yeah, and guess who the baby was? Moses. <laughs> <laughs> Moses. Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house. He was His life was spared and he didn't end up drowning. And he was raised in Pharaoh's house in this you know, wealthy environment, powerful environment. And then, you know, times pass and he actually ends up meeting God in the form of a burning bush. We all know this story, right? He says, take your shoes off for where you are walking is holy ground. That's right. Hello. Can you imagine God talking to you through a burning bush? Um, I love fire, so... That's actually very true. Every weekend, Caden's like, hey, can we have a fire? <laughs> I love smelling like fire. I don't at all. <laughs> okay, and then this is one of the greatest verses ever. Um, Moses says to God in the burning bush, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you, 
this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Yes. Which is Yahweh. Yahweh. Which we hear a lot, you know, growing up. And God calling himself I am just points to his eternal character. And, you know, in a world that's ever-changing, God is I am, the one that never changes. Yeah. So God sees um, Pharaoh treating the Israelites this way, enslaving them and beating them and treating them very poorly. And he, he goes to Moses and he says, hey, listen, I need you to do something about this. I need you to go to Pharaoh and I need you to say, hey, I need you to let my people go. And so then he says, I am. Who, who am I supposed to say sent me? He says, I am sent me. And so Moses goes and we all know how this story goes. He goes to Pharaoh and he's like, hey, let my people go. And Pharaoh's Pharaoh, like, skirt! Oh, baby, oh, baby, <laughs> let my people go. And so he sends these, uh, God, Pharaoh keeps saying no because his heart is very hard. And he is hardening his heart. And he keeps saying no. And God sends this. Hang on. I think it's important to point out something real quick. Yeah. About Moses. The whole time in this process, Moses is very hesitant. Like he doesn't think he's worthy. He doesn't think he's good enough. He asks so many questions and he even says, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Mm -hmm. And God continues to see Moses' potential and continues to equip him as he's called. Yes. Oh, it's so good. And ties back to the last episode. He doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Yes. He even says, which I had forgotten about until I read through it. He's literally like, Please send someone else to do it. Yeah, which is so funny because, like, later on down the road, obviously, we're going to end up talking about Jesus. And, like, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's like, please, like, take this cup from me. I don't want to bear this cup. Mm-hmm. It's, like, such a foreshadowing of what happens. Right. But anyway, so he go Pharaoh, or uh, Moses goes to Pharaoh, and it's like, let my people go. And he keeps saying no, and God sends this group of plagues. I mean, there's... He turns the water to blood. There's frogs everywhere. Gnats, flies, diseased livestock, boils. Everyone has boils on them. Oh. Hail, fire, locusts. I, I thought the cicadas were going to be worse this year, if you want me to be honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually glad that they're not, but I heard in other parts of the world they're really bad. Yeah. I've seen other parts one. of America. I've seen two, but anyways, darkness. thankfully. Yeah. <clears throat> then, then there was darkness. And here's what's so crazy. So we talk about how... Pharaoh is hardening his heart. And the thing about the story is, like, there is a part that a lot of people talk about, and it's God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And so we're wondering, like, what if Pharaoh, you know, had a chance to do good? Well, God knew Pharaoh would resist letting the people go, but still gave him many chances until his evil had reached a point of no return. And then God bended Pharaoh's evil for his own purposes. So he knew from the very beginning, like his heart was going to be hard through the whole process. I think that's something really um, that you need to remember. I feel like that's a big question people have a lot when they read that. God hardened Pharaoh's heart. It's like, what? Yeah, and he didn't just like, oh, I want to choose Pharaoh to harden his heart. Like he, God knew, God sees down the line and he knew like how Pharaoh was going to respond and act. Like he, Pharaoh had already started hardening his own heart before God ever did. Mm-hmm. So the final plague is the death of the firstborn. Yes. Yes. And so for the Israelites to be spared from the plague of death, a lamb with no defects had to be killed and its blood be splattered over their doorframe. And this is such, obviously this is a theme throughout the Bible and something that's, you know, pointed back to several times, but 
I love it because, as you were talking about earlier, it's a foreshadowing to Jesus. And so, in killing the lamb, the Israelites shed innocent blood, and the lamb was a sacrifice, which was a substitute for a person dying, which mm-hmm. is what Jesus did. He was the substitute for... He was the spotless lamb. That's right. So from this point on, the Hebrew people would understand that for them to be spared from death, an innocent life had to be um, shed for them, which points yeah. to Jesus. And which we'll this get to a little important. bit more in Leviticus, too. That's right. Important thing. Yes. The Passover. So the Passover happens. The Israelites, they wipe their door frames with the blood from the spotless lamb. The angel passes over and kills the firstborn of the household's Who's, who don't have any blood over their door. Mm-hmm. And so he gave the Israelites an opportunity to, to remain in him. He gave them the opportunity. He didn't just, you know, wipe everyone out like he had in past, like before Noah and stuff like that. Like he gave the Israelites an opportunity to do good and to be redeemed. Mm-hmm. And so after that, you know, Pharaoh's firstborn is, has died and he's mad and he stands up and he says, fine, get out of here. And so uh, Moses takes all the people and they go to this big thing of water. And we were actually talking about this earlier, which is funny. Like, yeah, how we picture that water. What does it say in the Bible? What it says? Okay. So we're at the body of water, right? And so when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that way was shorter. Oh, uh-huh. I love that detail. It literally says that in my Bible. Though that was shorter, he didn't lead them that way. He led them to through the sea. And this is the exact verse of that. You know, the, the Red Sea. We all know about mm-hmm. it. Uh, 1421. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Mm, so it's like parted down the middle and they were walking yeah. with the walls of water beside them. Mm-hmm. And so Pharaoh gets mad. He tells them to go. God is rescuing them. And Pharaoh decides, actually, I'm mad and I want them back. And so he, he gathers all these people and he sends his army after them. And what's so crazy is that every Israelite makes it through that water untouched and unharmed. And then as soon as Pharaoh's army comes through, God closes the water and Pharaoh is destroyed. And so Pharaoh is the destroyer and ultimately becomes destroyed through this process. That's good. And then the first song of praise is sung in the Bible. It's called the Song of the Sea. Just a fun little tidbit for you. (laughs) After that, we are at chapter 16 through 18, which is when the Israelites are started. They've entered into the wilderness and they started walking through the wilderness and Moses is leading them to Mount Sinai. So on their way to Mount Sinai, they're wandering through the desert, okay? And they're grumbling. And they have just been saved by God from Egypt and from all that water and from being beaten and being enslaved. For years. And they're complaining. I mean, come on, I'd want to cry, chop a couple of them. Actually, it literally says in one of my titles, complaining in the desert, that's the title of it. Mm -hmm. Because that's what all they're doing, God is providing for them. He is providing them manna during the day. He is providing them water. He's leading them by a pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke and... He's doing every, even, I think at one point, I'm not sure if this is in Exodus, I can't remember, but at one point they're like, please, we just want meat. We're so tired of manna. And like God provides quail for them. He's like providing for their every need. And they're still saying stuff like, oh, the good old days when we were back in Egypt and not walking around this desert. You know what I'm saying? So Moses is getting mad. They finally reach Mount Sinai, which is where something big happened. And <laughs> 
which is where something big happens. So we all remember the covenant that God had with Abraham in Genesis about I will make you into a great nation and your family is going to, if you look up, your family is going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. So here God is actually going to create another covenant with the Israelite people. And so Moses, they stop at the at the bottom of Mount Sinai and Moses goes up to the mountain because God is actually showing and revealing himself through thunder. He's like a cloud on top of the mountain and he's like thunder clapping and all this kind of stuff. And so Moses goes up to figure out like what this initial agreement is and how it's going to work. And he was actually just a small tidbit was up there for 40 days and 40 nights, which is funny because that's how long they were on the boat for too. Mm -hmm. Noah, 40 days and 40 nights. Mm -hmm. And I looked up today and the number 40 is actually a symbol for a period of trial or a period of probation, Mm. which is cool. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he's up there and God gives him the Ten Commandments, which is the basic term of the agreement of the covenant that they're about to make. Mm -hmm. And I think this is interesting. Um, It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Mm -hmm. Right, Right before he gives the Ten Commandments, which is a plan for to keep us out of slavery. Like, how do you keep yourself out of bondage? You follow the Ten Commandments. Like, right. bondage metaphorically. You know what I mean? You want to be freed and follow the Ten Commandments. Anyways, so here they are. I'm going to do this quick. Let's go. Are you ready? I'm feeling good about it. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You should steal. You shall not steal. You shall not steal. <laughs> you shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet. And so God gives him this basic agreement. Moses goes down to the bottom. And then God is saying, hey, actually, I want to build this thing called a tabernacle because I want my presence to dwell among you. And so chapters 25 through 31 are blueprints for this tabernacle. And he's it's so funny because God is very specific about he, how he wants this tabernacle. Like if you read it, it when you read through it, like sometimes, not going to lie, your eyes might glaze over a little bit just because the details are so finite. But isn't it so cool that like God is so particular about how he wants this tabernacle because his presence is going to dwell there. Mm -hmm. So Moses goes back up to the mountain to receive these blueprints that God is giving him. And down below, something bad is happening. All the people are getting very impatient. And Moses' brother Aaron is there. And the people are saying, Aaron, Aaron, please build us this golden calf so that we can worship the God that brought us out of Egypt. And so Moses is up on the mountain receiving these blueprints. Well, God knows what the Israelites are doing, right? And so God is getting mad and he's like, hey, actually, they're breaking the covenant right now by saying that there is another God other than me and by having an idol. And so God's like, I'm just going to wipe out all of them again. I'm just tired of this. and I'm going to wipe them out. And then Moses, which is we've I feel like had this discussion before. Moses intercedes on behalf of the people. And he says, The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Mm. So... So the Lord is about to wipe all the people out. Moses intercedes and says, no, remember who you are. Remember your promises and remember the covenant that you have made with these people. And the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in covenant faithfulness. He forgives sin, but will not leave the wicked unpunished. 
And this is where things get interesting. So it's about to be the end of Exodus. And they build this tabernacle. God's presence comes to the tabernacle and dwells. Which, if you've ever heard the Ark of the Covenant, that's where it's the center of the tabernacle, the hot spot where God's presence is. And so God comes to dwell. Moses tries to enter into the tabernacle and he can't. He is shut off from going into the tabernacle. And then Exodus ends on a big cliffhanger. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <sighs> and so we figured we would just go straight into Leviticus tonight That's because it. they kind of go together and we have to figure out why Moses cannot enter into the temple. Mm-hmm. So then we enter into Leviticus. Leviticus 1.1 says, The Lord called to Moses from the tent. So right off the bat, we know that Moses is not allowed in the tent, that the Lord is calling to him from the tent. And... The whole point of of Leviticus is God is responding to the Israelites' sin by giving them elaborate rituals and ways to deal with their sin. And so there's, you know, all kinds of rituals, things that they offer to say thank you, things that they sacrifice to say I'm sorry, or there's, you know, feasts that they have, like the Feast of the Passover, Feast of the Unleavened Bread. There's so many feasts. There's all of these, like Aaron is becoming a priest and his family is now the priesthood and, um, the qualifications for being a priest or the impurity versus the purity, what they eat, what they shouldn't eat and why. Yeah. It's just a bunch of things to try to keep the Israelites from sinning. It's almost like a handbook. Yeah. It is like a handbook, but very specific handbook. Mm -hmm. So I feel like a lot of people, you know, Leviticus is often thrown around. Like if you're like, I'm reading the Bible and people are like, Oh, have you gone to Leviticus? Like, it's like a, a joke that people throw around that it can be very cumbersome in reading it, you know, but I feel like a lot of times we get so caught up in those details and the contextual like meanings of certain laws and certain things that it says in there that we don't necessarily, you know, do today. And it can be very controversial in a lot of aspects, but I feel like we get so caught up in that sometimes that we miss the overall, the overwhelming message of Leviticus, which is the holiness of God. And one of the main verses I feel like that dis- that displays that is 19.2. Be holy because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. So it's basically just how can unholy people approach a holy God? That's I feel like that's a major theme of Leviticus. And it gives instructions on how to do that. Yeah. So God, like his whole... His whole goal, I feel like, is to live amongst the people. Like, he wants to dwell amongst the people, just like it was in the Garden of Eden before even Adam ate the fruit. Like, he was dwelling and walking among them in the garden. Like, that's what he wants. He wants, like, our attention. He wants to be with us. But he is so holy. Just like when he was talking to Moses in the burning bush, like, he was like, take your shoes off because this is holy ground. Like, he is so holy that things just, like, have to happen within us for us to be holy, to even be around him. You know what I mean? Like... Moses couldn't even, like, look at him, right? It's it's something we can't quite fathom. Right. Mm-hmm. And so one small little thing I wanted to share is there's something called the Day of Atonement, which atonement, they we kind of throw that, round, that word around a lot. But, like, when they talk about the sacrifices that they make, basically it's, Uh, like a burnt offering or whatever. Basically, an animal is dying in the person's place to atone for the sin that they have committed. And so they have this day of atonement is what they call it. And what's so crazy, it's once a year. And I think it still still goes on. Like they still do it maybe. Maybe a little bit different, but I'll have to look that up. Um, But they... I will. Yeah, (laughs) viewers or listeners. (laughs) Anyway, so they have this day of atonement and they have two goats 
One goat is a purification offering, so they offer the goat. The other goat, it's called a scapegoat, and the priest will confess all the sins of the people onto this goat, and then they cast it out into the wilderness away from the people, which I thought was funny. But the ending of Leviticus comes, and basically Moses is telling the Israelites, hey, look, you have two choices. Either be obedient and be blessed by God, or be unfaithful and then be suffer the consequences for your sin. And so we're left with two choices here. Are you going to be obedient or are you going to be unfaithful? Mm-hmm. And I feel like those are two choices that run the world today. Like, what are we doing? Are we being obedient or are we being unfaithful to God? Like, that has plagued the Christian people forever. Yeah. Not plagued, but... Mm-hmm. A fun fact that my Bible says. Oh. Mm-hmm. Holiness is mentioned more times than in any other book of the Bible in the book of Leviticus. So if you want to know what the major theme of Leviticus is. It's about holiness. Yeah. And so I would encourage everyone to go read it. I mean, it's kind of something you just have to read for yourself, you know. It is. And like Kaitan said, like, don't get so caught up in all of the rich, because it is kind of daunting to open the Bible and read Leviticus because there's so many things. And going back to, like, God's plans for the tabernacle, he's so specific about what he wants and so specific about the things that he requires and the things that, you know, he... But it's all for our good. It's all so we can dwell among him. But, like, don't get so caught up in the rituals that you, like, lose motivation because it's boring to read. Like, keep the keep the center focus on this is for my benefit so that we can become holy and dwell amongst God. I think that's so important. All right, guys, we have finished episode two. Hopefully, every time I feel like we finish an episode, I'm like, whoa, maybe that was a lot of information at one time. Yeah, there's a story that I love that you have to go back and read because we didn't have time to talk about it. There's so many stories throughout this these two books that are just so good that you need to go back and read that we didn't have time to get into. But so... <laughs> Moses and Aaron, they're fighting with people in Exodus, okay? And they're in a battle. And this verse, it's in it's chapter 17. So go to chapter 17 and read about it. And it's verse 11. And it says, As long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember hearing that in a sermon one time when I was a kid. And um, that really spoke to me. Like our, our battles are won with our hands up. And I feel like that's a, it's a cool, so good. cool message. And there's so many examples of that throughout these two chapters that we can apply to our lives today. Yes. And there's so many more stories besides that one too. Like, just like we mentioned in the first podcast, we are like grazing the surface of Mm -hmm. everything that you need to read. We just hope that this motivates you to open your Bible and read it yourself. So thank you everyone for joining us today. It has been so fun. Join us next week. We will be talking about a new book of the Bible. I wonder what it's going to be. Who knows? Either way. Everyone have a good week. Thank you for joining us for Sundays at 7. Hey, what's up, guys? If you enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to like, share, comment, or follow us on any of our social media posts. And if you have any questions, reach out to us. We love questions. Bye, guys.